Hello and welcome to Through the Gates, the podcast where we get to meet fantastic people at IU Bloomington and talk to them and ask them questions. My name is Elaine Monaghan. I'm a professor of practice in journalism at the media school here at IU Bloomington and I'm here with... Violet Barron and... Laurie burns McRobbie. Laurie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Elaine. Great to see you. It's wonderful. We all get to see each other. Thank you, Zoom. And thank you, technology, which I think it's fair to say is a really big part of your life as, um, as Laurie McRobbie and also as the First Lady of Indiana University. Would you say that technology is maybe the theme that unites all of your interests? Well, um, not all of them, although I have, uh, and I've known this for a while, but I had a wonderful experience recently that really kind of encapsulated um, really what are two, in- two interests that intersect which is technology and history. Um, I was a history major in college and that was my, my plan was to go get a PhD and be a history professor and it got, and I got, I had to get a job because I'd gotten married and wanted to start a family. I thought, well, I'll just do this for a while. It happened to be a job in technology. And I never went back to school and got, got a PhD uh, as a result. So, so it's obviously has shaped my life in in probably every way imaginable, the same way that it shapes all of our lives, but also certainly my career trajectory. It shaped uh, my my marriages. Um, uh, I met Michael because of my tech career, for example. Um, but I've always loved history, and one of the areas that I've been exploring a lot is is just how much of the technology and the tech world that we know today was created by women. And we have not given them due credit. So I've been able to, uh, there's been a lot at Hidden Figures being the most um, kind of obvious example of where people have gone into the past and discovered what women have been doing all along. And that, that whole uh, intersection, uh, I, I would say probably encapsulates kind of everything for me. You mentioned history. You've been playing an important part in some of the, ways we've been honoring the role of women on our campus. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it, well, the Bicentennial, of course, gave the perfect opportunity to, to not only do this work, but to make sure that it got out into the landscape, right? And uh, it actually, for me, started back in 2016, which was about the time that the planning for the Bicentennial was starting to gear up too, um, and came out of work that I was doing to um, capture the institutional history of IU's first ladies. Um, and something I've been working on kind of off and on really since I became first lady. And one of the things I discovered was that the, uh, the woman, that, that one of my predecessors had been pretty much singularly responsible for the student building. Um, and, uh, and in fact, the history there is, is that she, she actually proposed it as a woman's building, uh, got it, went to the trustees, this doesn't happen anymore, proposed that the building be built to the trustees and had it approved. And, and she led the fundraising for it. Um, it's a longer story than we have time to tell and many people know this story, but it led to, uh, to me proposing that we rename the building in her honor. And of course now it's the Francis Morgan Swain Student Building. And that, that was the start for me of a, a whole project 
that became part of the bicentennial called Bridging the Visibility Gap. We have now, we have a database of 2,500 names of women who have been instrumental contributors to not only Indiana University, but to their disciplines and fields and you know everything uh, perhaps outside of Indiana University if, if they got their degrees here. And, um, and so we have a great opportunity now to both students and the rest of us who are kind of uh, amateur historians, if you will, going in and, and learning about these women and understanding what they've, what they've done. So again, it, this is my kind of my sweet spot um, to be able to continue to do that. And I'm just really grateful that we've had the opportunity to bring a lot of those names forward. We now have the first, the first statue of a woman on the Bloomington campus the Eleanor Ostrom statue behind Woodburn Hall. So there was, there's a, there was this gap. It's a real gap. In fact, I, I learned, I think for many of us, being at IU uh, is an opportunity for those of us who aren't in that discipline to learn about Eleanor Ostrom. And it's, it's quite remarkable, um, the work that she did. Um, and the, it's a, a remarkable honour, finally, <laughs> to have a woman um, on campus honoured in that way. I think it's very meaningful for many of us. Um, so Laurie, you've just recently um, received an honour of your own, which I think we have to embarrass you by talking about just a little bit, um, which of course is um, the Serve IT Clinic, which has now been named for you. Is that a slightly odd experience to have something named for you? <laughs> What's that been like? Well, it, it is both the most wonderful thing I can imagine and it kind of makes me wince <laughs> a little too, <laughs> um, mainly because, and this is probably typical of a lot of people who find themselves in my position, but especially with this, is that this, this was by no means just me. Um, I, I think the, you know, the, the people that came together to make this happen and more importantly, to keep it going um, deserve as much credit as I do. I think I will, I will take credit for one thing, which was that it was my idea to do it. Um, and, uh, and I think that I, I recognize that having my name attached to it and then having my name in turn attached to the institutional history of Indiana University um, means something. And it has a lot to do with probably how embedded that program um, is now and will continue to be. So it, I, I recognize the importance of doing these things um, at the same time that I, I kind of want to, you know, shuffle my feet and go, you know, geez, you know, <laughs> not me. <laughs> but but I so, am just so flattered and so grateful to the to the donors who made it possible. So, yeah, so for listeners who haven't heard maybe about the Serve IT Clinic, what the cl clinic actually does is build bridges between students here at IU um, who have technology skills with non-profit organisations who need their help. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful um, partnership and uh, very well worth knowing about if you're here on campus. Um, or in the community for that matter. So one of the places where I first, as a faculty member and as a woman on campus, came across your work was um, as part of events taking part in the context of CWIT, as we call it, which stands for the Centre of Excellence for Women and Technology. 
Um, and I think, you know, for those of our listeners who haven't maybe heard of it um, and think that somehow you can't be involved if you don't think you're technological, um, I feel like I should just say that, you know, we are all exposed to technology and we're all using it all the time. And I, I think I can, it's fair to say that um, I certainly have myself experienced the feeling, well, I don't really know about technology, even while using it every day and not thinking about it. <laughs> So, Laurie, what do you think? How has CWIT helped change people's lives, do you think? Well, there's no, no better example than uh, we're, we're just coming off the annual conference that CWIT does. We call it the CWIT Summit. And this year, because of being going, um, having to be virtual, we were able to go statewide because CWIT is a Bloomington program. And one of the speakers was um, a young woman who was our first grad assistant back in 2014, and she is now working at IBM. And Violet, you will particularly be interested in this. She was a uh, poetry and folklore undergraduate who is essentially doing ethnography at IBM. So she, and, and so she brings a social scientist, human uh, humanities, perspective to a role at IBM that's running a team um, helping to uh, create the, the kind of mainframes of the future. So, I mean, IBM is a tech company, right? But they are, like a lot of big tech companies, looking at the much more at human factors. So she has to understand a lot about technology, and she is in a tech company. But she herself brings a completely different disciplinary mindset to the, to the role. She epitomizes what we are doing at CWIT, which is to help women from all backgrounds, all disciplinary interests to find, to feel that they belong in what we think of as the tech industry. I mean, it is the tech industry, right? But we, I think we imagine somehow that it's just a bunch of people in rooms coding all the time. There is a lot of that. There's so much more. And it kind of suffers some, to some extent from a, an, an image problem, especially among women, um, because they kind of see this, you know, you gotta go into a basement and, you know, just code till, you know, and never talk to people and never take a shower and, you know, all the stereotypes. Uh, and it's so much more than that. So I think CWIT brings the fullness of what's possible and creates, uh, the opportunities to, to, to boost your skills. We're doing a lot with digital literacy right now. And <clears throat> again, I would say we're all, we all are forced to be digitally literate right now. We all feel probably pretty digitally illiterate, um, uh, but, but that's, but to help all of us feel like we can create uh, in this space as well as use in this space is part of what CWIT does. And not just for students, but for faculty as well. But I was just going to say, Violet is sort of a walking example of what you're talking about. Yes. Um, she's teaching yeah. <laughs> herself audio. She's making this podcast, um, which is not something, you know, she's done before. And and Violet, I'm, I'm going to hand over to you to say, why, you have to tell our listeners now what you're studying and go ahead and ask Laurie a question. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I couldn't do it without you, uh, you know, opening doors and uh 
boosting my confidence along the way, Elaine. You've, you've really helped me along this journey. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm an MA student now. I'm studying uh, media studies at the media school, and I'm also uh, at the uh, Department of Folklore and Ethnomusicology uh, getting an MA there. So I'm interested in, uh, as, as Laurie was just saying, um, ethnography and, and technology in a way, or ethnography and production, how the two disciplines can cross and form each other. Particularly, I find that reporting is largely formed around the hero reporter you know i'll i'll guide you into this community I'll, I'll show you how i found this to be you know um versus ethnography is already inside the community and assuming the audience has some understanding um so i like the idea of not assuming any understanding but um allowing the community to speak for itself as much as possible um and Part of what's helped me uh, bridge that has been um, the idea of solutions journalism, which Elaine taught in my first class with her, um, which is the idea that, you know, journalism doesn't necessarily have to be uh, um, crisis reporting. It can be uh, reality reporting and showing how people are addressing challenge and change. Uh, but enough about me. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, actually, I went to a women's college for undergrad. I went to Bryn Mawr, um, which had a very strong science and technology program. So uh, as I've kept in touch with some of those women, I, I'm hearing, you know, first of all, there's unprecedented opportunity for women in technology now you know firms are specifically seeking women out but there's also just a lot more training and assumption of uh you know uh, aptitude now but i'm wondering laurie if you're finding uh continued challenges in in certain ways for women are, are women coming across uh, certain challenges in uh rising through ranks of technology companies or just what's available to them uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, um, yes, there are still those challenges and they're, um, they're depressingly familiar. <laughs> In other words, they're the ones that have been there. I mean, for all the, all the, we've made, I mean, so much progress, but it is still the case that it, at least in terms of, um, uh, degree preparation, educational attainment, women are still not getting computer science degrees in proportion to, their, certainly to the portion of their numbers in higher education. Of course, we know their, their majority, um, uh, about, about equivalent on the Bloomington campus, um, uh, men and women. But in the, uh, in the Luddy School, um, the Luddy School, the student body is disproportionately male still. And so I, I think that, you know, there's a lot that still needs to be done to, I've mentioned the kind of image problem of tech is to some extent part of it. It's helping everyone understand that being a technologist or identifying somehow with tech um, means a whole lot of other things besides, as I said, the kind of stereotypical nerdy um, nerd work, if you will. And but I think there is still, there's still, there's still an awful lot of that, I guess. And there's a lot of it out in, in the industry. And there are still examples that we see of women trying to make their way in certain companies and hitting the proverbial glass ceiling. I think, I hope this is to some extent a generational issue um, that, you know, I thought that it would be my generation that broke through all this. We, I mean, 
Elaine, you probably resonate with this to an extent, um, which is that, you know, there was such a, a upsurge of opportunity for women in the 70s and 80s. And you just kind of got this feeling that, well, we've solved all these problems. Well, no, of course not. Um, and, and generations since then have probably felt somewhat the same way as we've made progress. These things just take a lot longer than we would like them to. Um, but I think it is changing. I think, Violet, your point that um, some of the assumptions about capability and competence are, are that, 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 that those things don't exist for women somehow are falling away. Um, and, and part of that is that in school, in K through 12, um, boys and girls are now, you know, and frankly, the more we get things like computing and computer science into the curriculum, it means that boys and girls are going to be learning those subjects together and boys are going to see girls doing it and girls are going to see, are going to be essentially be able to succeed around boys and feel confident and there, it's just not going to be an issue. Um, but again, that's going to be multiple generations and they're being taught by people who are older than they are, who came up through a different time. So, you know, right. it's the same old thing. So, so Laurie, you have been first lady of Indiana University since 2007. Did I get that 2007. right? Yep. July. That's a long time and a lot of service. So thank you, first of all. But second of all, I, obviously you're coming towards the end of that period of your life. So, you know, I'm looking at your ridiculous resume and thinking, which part shall I choose to mention? And I can't because there isn't enough time. There's just so much of it. But I suppose the thing that you've maybe focused on here that, you know, there's been a big part of your life is the philanthropic side of your um, um, activities. Um, so can you share with us anything about what your plans are going forward? Is, are there, do you think you'll continue in the same vein or is there a new edition coming up? Well, I have, I have um, no real plans, except I have, um, Michael gets a sabbatical year when he steps down. And so I've um, negotiated a kind of um, placement, I guess, of, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, in, in CWIT. So I will remain part of the campus and remain working on my, the, the, my interests in, in you know, bridging this, the gender gap in tech. And um, the women's philanthropy program in the foundation that I had a hand in getting started, um, I, I'm now an alum. I earned a degree in philanthropic studies in um, 2016. And so as an alum, I'll get to keep continuing with that. So in a sense, uh, some things will stay the same. I mean, in terms of the ways that I'm interacting with Indiana University, some things will stay the same. Um, it's really hard to know how I'll feel about, you know, not, not being in what was, has been an extraordinarily privileged position. I, I can't uh, describe just how, just how privileged I feel. I mean, truly, and how fortunate um, I was to find myself in this role at the time in my life when I was looking to make a, I was, I was sort of at a transition point in my life anyway, I loved my career in tech, but I knew that I was not going to do it for my whole life. And so I, it just was perfect timing. Um, so I, I, I just, it, it's just such an extraordinary privilege. And I think that to some extent that is what motivated me to try to use my visibility and my influence to the very 
greatest extent that I could in all the areas that I care about um, that line up with the passions and interests of other people. And man, that is just the very best thing there is when you find those fellow traveler people who care about the same things you do and want to help push those things forward too. It's just a joy. That seems like a wonderful place to stop and say thank you so much for being with us today here at Through the Gates, Laurie Burns McRobbie, First Lady of IU Universe, of IU, sorry. And so it's goodbye from me, Elaine Monaghan, Professor of Practice here at IU Media School and... And Violet Barron, producer of Through the Gates. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful to talk. Thank you so much.